and welcome to another episode of Gutter Boys. I am your co-host JB, alongside my co-host in good old Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Cam Del Rosario. Cam, what is up with you? Not too much, man. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. I'm still recovering from C2E2. Uh, it was a lot of work. Very tired still. But uh, I'm doing okay. I'm also still working my day job. So also I'm kind of trying to balance that out. Too, yeah. So. Isn't that the fucking worst? Um, you go to these shows and like, you know, you take maybe one. Well, for me, I'll take one vacation day, like a Friday or a Monday. And then you have to go yeah. right back to work right after like being nonstop go, go, go for, you know, 48 hours at these shows. You fly back on Sunday, Monday morning, you're back at your fucking day job, man. It's the worst. It, it is really, really terrible. I, and you know, it's funny this year, I actually asked off that Monday following C2 Mm -hmm. weekend, right? Thinking, oh, I'll be able to recover and like, just relax, catch up on some sleep, yada, yada. Uh, but then I forgot that my friends, Aaron and Katrina were staying uh, you know, till Wednesday. So, and I didn't want to let them, you know, hang and not have anything to do. So we, and again, I'm not blaming them for this. It's just me not, you know, factoring that in. And so I just ended up taking the day off and hanging, hanging out with my friends, which I do like. It's just, I was still very tired after all that. Um, so yeah, I'm still a little, little, uh, I don't know if I'm getting sick. Hopefully not. You got the cron, but, uh, um, the the con crud. I think I avoided it because I think I would be like full blown, you know, in bed mm-hmm. by now. Probably it's just I think just overall uh, exhaustion more than anything else. Um, and then also I didn't get to exercise for a week, so I, I fucking yesterday was the first time I got to exercise in a week, and it's really that thing. The little things throw me off, like. Mm-hmm. Once I get into a regimented schedule, anything that throws that shit off, it like really fucks with my head. Um, so it's nice getting back into like a set schedule again. Um, and again, not not throwing rocks at my friends. It was really great hanging out with them. If anything, this is the most I've gotten to spend time with them in a very long time outside of, uh, you know, seeing them a couple of days whenever I go back home for the holidays. So that was great. Uh, speaking of friends, uh, we'll actually be talking with uh, Katrina over the next two episodes. So uh, this one, episode six and episode seven will be a two parter in terms of that interview where we discuss uh, her sort of experience working uh, in a comic shop, managing a comic shop in, in our hometown of Lakeland, Florida. We do get to learn a lot about things that I think we maybe didn't know a whole lot about. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's something that maybe we as comic creators don't really get to think about too much unless we ourselves are working in a comic shop. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll be exploring sort of retail and, and, uh, working with distributors, diamond, et cetera, and how that all works. And also talking about customer base, how comic shops and employees and managers like herself really do help out with the comic industry and these publishers in a bigger way than maybe, maybe I assumed or you had assumed. Uh, but you know, Cam, you worked in a comic shop too, and we do touch on that in the interview. Anyway, so yeah, that'll be coming up in the, in the second half of this episode and the next episode. Um, cause we do cover a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. So anyway, back to C2. Uh, it was fine. Yeah. Just still tired. So my brain isn't a hundred percent yet. Uh, Cam, have you, have you done any big, you know, kind of comic con type deal shows like this before? 
No, I mean, um, I talked about it on an episode where like I worked at Neil Adams booth for one. So like I've been at one and worked a table, but I've never actually tabled myself at one. And um, I don't think I will, man. Um, it would be really cool to go, you know, um, for another show. Uh, Patrick Ian Rooks was telling me he's doing Heroes Con this year. And, uh, you know, I know that's like a bigger convention show. It doesn't have like the douchebag CW shows tied to it. Like, you know, you don't have the car from Supernatural there. It's more comics focused, but Mm -hmm. I just feel like if your bread and butter for the comics portion of your show is superheroes, I'm not getting over in that environment. So the table fee usually is a little higher and it's a gamble I'm not willing to take. But, you know, I'm not going to close the door on it completely. I just don't think it's very likely for me. Yeah. I mean, I understand. I think uh, the more I do these shows... The more I have a better understanding of, uh, you know, what my audience is, which I think is important. I think doing these shows and really interacting with with the the readership and whatnot is very, very informative. And, uh, you know, if there's anything that I can take away from it, at least it's kind of getting that much at least. Right. Mm -hmm. Like uh, learning more about the business on that end is is been very interesting. Uh, and then also, yeah, I mean, n- the majority of it is just getting to see friends that I don't see otherwise. A lot of these people that do these shows that I met like the first or second year I started doing shows, mm-hmm. uh, they don't really do small press shows. I think some of them do SPX, um, a handful of them do cake. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I don't really get to see them. So it's like once a year that I get to hang out with these people for the most part, you know, uh, so that that's always nice. Yeah, and that's um, the, the, the most fun part of the shows. It's great to sell your book and get your work out there. But really, it, to me, it is all about like, you know, hanging out afterwards, even though you're like tired and, you know, you, you want to go to your room. Like, it's really cool yeah. to hang out with everybody and get to interact with everybody and talk shop because, you know, we can't really talk about this stuff with like most people in our ordinary lives, um, you know, your day to day interactions at work and stuff. So. I really love that aspect of it, just seeing everybody catching up. But, you know, with you being at C2E2, it is primarily like a bigger, you know, big two show. The guy you were tabling with, uh, Matt, right? Yeah, Matt Horak. Yeah, Yeah. he's working for the big two, right? He is. He's um, just wrapping up a book with Marvel. He was doing the uh, Spider-Man Deadpool story. Yeah. So that, you know, that has a lot of eyes on it, obviously. Right. So So did you um, see like an increase in traffic just because you were tabling with them? Like more people stopping by and being like, oh, you know, let me check this out. You know, Marvel readers, and I would say like people who dabble or are hardcore, they they do share one thing and it's that all of them really have tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. They like their guys. Right. Yeah. They like Batman. They like Spider-Man. They like Deadpool. They don't really care who's attached to it, to be honest. From what I can tell, it could be any anyone. It doesn't matter. If you're doing that character, you know, uh, that's what they give a shit about. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the people that were coming through would just kind of beeline it to him, get some autographs. You would get the very stereotypical, like, you know, 40 something white male with a long box full of books to get signed. <laughs> right. Carrying it on a little dolly. Yeah. Oh, man. Those dollies. That shit is yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Woo. That never gets old. Every time I see that, I'm like, oh, man. That is There's like, a, <laughs> that is vagina repellent if I've ever seen it. <laughs> Especially but, when you've got the dolly with multiple like comic boxes on it. It's oh, like, holy yeah. fuck. Dude, what about the guys that get stuff signed where they have like the book taped up? 
to where there's a little window or a box left where they want the guy to sign. Have you seen oh, those no, people? I've never seen that. Oh, man. oh, dude. So like they put these weird like bags. On. I've seen it a lot. Um, they put these like, you know, the protective bags on their comics, but they have like a hole cut out and like blue, like painter's tape or some kind of tape mm-hmm. that like tapes the bag. But there's like this little sliver exposed. And I don't know if it's like they pick because they don't want it to obstruct the artwork. I don't know what the deal is, but I've definitely seen it at those bigger shows. That is nearly psychotic. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand. I guess huh. like, you know, you don't want the rest of it exposed to air or whatever. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we also had a couple of people that were, uh, you know, like original art collectors. Uh-huh. You know, there was this one guy, he came through with a portfolio and it had uh, some crazy, crazy original pages. I, when he left, I turned to Matt. I was like, Matt, how much do you think that portfolio? Also, it's kind of weird that this dude is just carrying his collection around for no reason. Like he didn't have to bring his collection. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, right, right. He, like, it's it's he not like he's just, like a vendor, like right, selling them there. Yeah. Right. He could have just brought an empty portfolio if he's looking to buy new pages, but that's not what he did. This dude brought his entire thing full of original art that he had bought over the years. Dude, that's the flex. It was a flex. For, it's a kind of flex, yeah. And I yeah. turned to Matt. I was like, how much do you think that book is probably worth like collectively? And he's just like, man... Like soft estimate is probably five grand. Jesus. That's like the low end. Yeah. We, and you, know, you, yeah. you know, if I had like money like that though, I would probably be that dude. I wouldn't bring like my portfolio of pages to like a comic con- convention, but I would definitely like, if I had like a huge disposable income, I'm definitely stacking up on original oh, art. For sure. You know, in fact, when on Saturday before the, uh, the show opened, me and Aaron were kind of just like walking around and we, mm-hmm. uh, we came across, a vendor that had all original artwork and we initially didn't know that because like his table you would have like laughed if you saw this because it was not a traditional vendor table it's just like they had a table set up and then he just threw the pages out it was just like everywhere all over the place oh, no fuck. no categorization no rhyme or reason it, it was like a work table <laughs> of, of like what like, did he have a, like corbin bixley um some klaus some burns what the fuck? Uh, some wood rings. I mean, just like crazy stuff. The the Bisley stuff really fucked with me because they were like the the size of them had to have been no more than I'm guessing here, probably like a nine by twelve or something. Okay. And these things are immaculately painted, like super tight. They look insane, just as good if not better than what you see in the covers and in the pages that he did. Mm-hmm. I I was thinking of this whole time, it's just like, man, if this place gets crowded, someone could easily just walk up here and snatch these. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's just like all strewn about a table, you know, just yeah. thrown. And, and, and the dude, <laughs> it was two guys and they were barely paying attention. I mean, they paid attention to us because we started talking to them, but they were mm-hmm. just in their own little world. But yeah. And and uh, who did the, uh, who did the uh, Fever book, that Spider-Man Doctor Strange book? Brendan McCarthy. Brendan McCarthy. He had yeah. some original Brendan McCarthy pages, including stuff from that Fever book, and which was funny because me and Katrina were talking about because she hadn't seen the book before, and it's like one of the few uh, Spider-Man books that I can go back and look at and be like, yeah, this still holds up, um, just because of how weird it is. It's not a traditional Marvel Spider-Man comic in any way. Yeah, uh, and I think he I, did I, those Johnny Nemo books for like. 2000 AD or something like that, right? Wasn't he? Yeah. Doing? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, That's, he, okay. He wrote 
the story and drew it. So he had complete uh-huh. control, which is kind of a uh, rare, I would say, with Marvel stories. Um, and I think it might have been Marvel Select or, you know, Marvel, whatever their side. It's like kind of like their um, it's like their vertigo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Marvel's yeah, vertigo, okay. basically. Um, but man, that book is gorgeous. But anyway, his original page is just laying out just, you know, all casual. Were they like cheap or were they pretty those expensive? Were, those were expensive only because they were Marvel Spider-Man stuff. What about the, like the, the clouds uh, and where stuff? How much oh, was yeah, that, that stuff, stuff was for? pretty pricey, too. But okay. like considering he also had uh, some some other Brendan pages and those were like 175. Oh, which Dude, was I... crazy. And it also it really fucked with me because the pages were drawn on like printer paper quality stock. <laughs> like it was thin as shit, just garbage yeah. paper. And I was just like, man, that is that's wild. I would not expect that from from him. But you know, whatever. I mean, they look great, and I guess it really doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I uh the coolest shit I saw was uh I saw like uh, a stack of uh Mazzucchelli Daredevil pages at a show here in louisville Ooh. and that was just awesome to look through uh but he was asking like five grand to pop on him which oh, you know yeah. absolutely right. you know there definitely. were some kirby uh sketches there too no way dude that that would be so crazy to just see up front in person yeah man but, good yeah. stuff all around but yeah i don't know like the another problem with these shows is like because it's in chicago and it's such a big city everybody is like so content with not leaving the radius like the like a two mile radius of the convention because most of these people are staying at the hotel so they don't want to leave really or go anywhere that's like two out of the way Mm -hmm. and while i get that i don't understand why you would go to chicago and not want to venture out to some other place at least for the night you know right right who who wants to hang out at the hotel bar and and pay eight dollars for a shitty watered down well drink i don't know man i I was doing that at spx last year well spx where else are you gonna go yeah that's true you have to go into the city but yeah chicago is like right at your foot you know right at your you know everything's right there you can find something within yeah yeah. like fucking skylark which is like a kind of local neighborhood divey bar uh-huh. It is like maybe a 20 minute walk from the convention center and okay. you can get drinks for dirt cheap and they're all really good and the food's actually really good for a bar, but nobody goes out there because everybody, you know, they, they just want to stay within their little comfort circle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really irritating. Also, another thing I don't like having to corral 20 or 30 people for dinner. That shit sucks. <laughs> that is hey. not a fun thing. So that's why I understand why people just want to keep it small have four, maybe five people at the most. I understand mm-hmm. that. Um, but like Friday, the, our first night in, it was like me, Aaron, Katrina, Matt Allison, um, his wife, uh, Crystal, I believe. Man, I, I hope that's right. I probably fucked that up. She's really nice too. That's going to be really fucked up if I messed up. Uh, Andrew McLean. Um, oh, I picked up that new head lopper that came out a couple weeks back. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that yeah, was really good. good. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt Horak, uh, uh, his buddy. Oh, I can't remember his name. He was really nice too. Fuck. I don't know. He's like a Marvel guy. I, I don't. That's another thing. I don't know these people because like I don't. It, it would probably 
like behoove me, I guess, if I actually actively read this stuff and that way he'd be like, oh, you're so-and-so and oh, you're yada yada and you work on this and that. Like, I don't know these things. I really don't. People <laughs> throw down their names and I'm just like, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm sorry. I can't, that's not going to help me. Um, but needless to say, it was an, like, oh, uh, Dave Baker, who I think you met and Nicole, who I think you met, um, at SPX. Yeah, um, they, they Dave off squad did and, and stuff with, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He did stuff with that shitty Watchmen book too, right? Yes. Shitty Watchmen, okay. shitty Dark Knight Returns. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were with us and just like a bunch of other people. And it was like insane. We had like a whole table. Buster Moody was with us. I mean, it was a whole crew. Yeah. It sounds like crew. a server's nightmare, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It definitely was, I'm sure. <laughs> Especially when someone was like, can we all split the bill? And I'm just like, yeah, shit, you all have cash. Just give me the cash and I'll do the math. You fucking lazy pieces of shit. I'll do this. <laughs> I was a server for like four years and that was the worst splitting bills. And then like when you had a party of 20 walk in because you knew you automatically had to make 20 glasses of water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, that shit sucks. But usually you end up making more money for that kind of stuff. So it's all right. Yeah, especially if they split up the check, because then, Mm -hmm. you know, you you do the 20, 25% per check at that point, you're like banking. Anyway, um, yeah, luckily no one was a huge asshole and we all paid 25%. We actually paid probably 30% per paycheck. Well, we added it all on one check to make it easier for the server. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I was just like, just give me cash. I'll do the math. I'll round up. Let's just get it. Let's just get this over with and be out of here. Um, so whoever, I mean, that lady that was working that night, she got a pretty nice little cut. So I'm not too mad about it. Where'd you guys eat at? Uh, it was like a, I think it was like a Thai place that we went to that was like relatively close by Matt, Matt and Buster had been there before and they, they recommended it to us. So, you know, we went there. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great either, but I mean, the problem is everything within everything that's, very close to the convention mm-hmm. center and McCormick's, uh, it, it sucks. It's all garbage for the most part. So that's why I try to get people to be like, just get out of this area. This place is a black hole. There's nothing here. <laughs> you Chinatown is literally just right down the road. Just go there. And, and please, for the love of God, please, please, please do a reservation. Don't just show up and just expect a table to be ready. Oh, dude, yeah, for sure. When we, even though we only had like six people going to Momofuku last year, I made the reservation like a week and a half in advance. Yeah, well, that um, place, you definitely have to do that shit. Yeah. yeah. That's for sure. Now, I mean, we, uh, on Friday, I made a reserve. no, sorry, Thursday, I made a reservation because I knew exactly how many people were going to be with us. So, that that definitely helped. Um, uh, what else? Oh, yeah. So, on Saturday, here's the thing, with with C2E2, I don't know. I think it's because it's local for me mm-hmm. that I normally just go home. Right after the show. Yeah. Like, I want to be social and I want to hang out with friends, but also, like, I just go to bed. Like, I don't have yeah. to be. And, <laughs> and you have that luxury that it's in your town. You know, most of the time, these shows are usually outside of your town. So, like, you have nothing better to do but hang out and be social. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it is nice to, like, go head back to the hotel room. But usually you're... On some kind of weird adrenaline wave. Exactly. I I feel like you get into a mode because you're outside of your normal city or your home. And so you feel more inclined to do stuff. Yeah. I turn into an alcoholic every comic show. I never drink at home. Like I can't remember the last time I had a drink, um, you know, but, um, you know, if there's a comic show 
I'm acting like it's freshman year of college again. For real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SPX. Yeah. Man, we got let, we got fucking tanked. It's Yeah, round two this year. Oh, man. Come find us. Man, oh, shout out to MS Harkness for the fucking, what is it, the, the day after fucking drink tablet. Oh, that the was rehydration all you. Oh, tablets. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, the, uh, saved, the hangover over. Yep, that that saved my ass a number of times that weekend. Yeah. Anyway, do you remember the uh, next day we gave you a truly on Sunday, and then you just gave it to Ms. Harkness, and she drank it with no issue. We're over here dying at the table, and well, she uh, yeah. to, to her credit, she also knows how to stop drinking. Yeah. Okay. Fair. And we are just irresponsible. <laughs> We're just dumb idiots. We're just like, yeah, oh, I'm fucking wasted. Let's drink another. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, on Saturday, you know, I'm not really drinking that much. Aaron and Matt are inviting us to this like Marvel C2E2 event, which in my head, I'm go? thinking, okay, like, you know, you all got Disney money. So this is going to be like a big baller ass party or whatever. Um, yeah. And even then I was just like, I don't really want to do that. I have no business being there. I'm not going to talk to anyone outside of, you know, Aaron and, and maybe Matt. But they're probably going to be busy talking to like these editors and and whatnot. So there's I have more to lose than to gain in that situation. <laughs> um. So initially I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Or so we hung out with some other people, and uh, and then I don't know. I think it was Buster that convinced me to go with him because Aaron had convinced him to go. Mm-hmm. So we decide, okay, well at least there there will be free drinks, so that'll be nice. So we go to the thing. It's at some like shitty Irish bar. Um, like, you know, 10 minutes from the convention center. Right. And they did have an open bar, but it stopped. So by the time we got there, they had just cut it off. And is this bar closed to the public? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, there were just regular people in there too. I think it was just, if you had a wristband or something, they would just give you free drinks. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, we were there for a little bit and I, I, yeah, I just hung out with Aaron and Matt and there was this other guy, uh, um, he was tabling next to us. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he also works on the uh, the Spider-Man Deadpool thing with Matt. Okay. He's a Detroit boy. What's his name? Oh, my God. In- You're the one that reads Marvel. I don't... Man, do yeah, but it's so limited, man. Like, I'll read... I read more DC than Marvel. Um, but I'm not reading that book. Is it the writer or is it another cartoonist? No, he's another artist. Yeah, he's another... Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I honestly don't know, man. I'm not reading that book. Maybe Jim Toe? Jim Toe. Is that Tao? Tao, I, I, let me see. Am here. I pronouncing that right? So yeah, you know, if you type Jim Toe or Jim Tao into Google, Jim Tao Comics comes up. So yeah, okay. uh, all right. So it was Jim. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, um, and we talked to him a little bit because he'd been tailing with with next to us, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a pretty pretty chill guy. But outside of that, it was like exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is very very lame. <laughs> it was just a bunch of dorks that were drunk. You know, the one, one, the thing that really caught my attention, and we also, me and Buster, I don't know if, if you know, but Buster is like, uh, he runs on weed. Like, he, I don't even think he needs to eat, really. I think he just can, can consume hashish, oh. and that's enough for him. Yeah. But we, we show up to the party, and we're, you know, kind of lit. Not not out of hand. I'm definitely not out of hand. I'm I, And I'm pretty much sober. Like, I haven't really been drinking a whole lot. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we get there, and Katrina and Aaron are pretty fucking slammed at this point. Right. Because they've been hammering drinks, and it's all free. So, they've just been going to town. Yeah, you just take advantage of that shit. Exactly. And they're they're in, like, this circle, you know? You know how, like, social settings, some people right. will just stand in a circle, because that's just what people tend to do for some reason. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a large group. And me and, and Buster stroll in. And also, uh, fuck, uh, Adam, a friend of uh, Buster's who I met. A couple years back. He's a writer. Really cool dude. Anyway, we show up there and the, immediately, like, no joke, that circle just closes. It <laughs> just closes <laughs> away from us and away from everybody that we were talking to. <laughs> like, it was like a weird, like, that was, it was like some classic fucking nerd high school shit, you know? Like, y'all are fucking grown ass adults. So, like, what? Like, it was like the Marvel click was like, oh, you guys aren't welcome here. And they just. I don't know. It was just like, we don't know who you are. So, we're just going to turn our backs now. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, whatever. Um, That I I was actually very, very surprised because we got there and Matt just like pointing out who's who. Because, like, I don't know. the. And even after he told me, I was like, I these names don't mean anything to me. I don't know these people. Mm -hmm. And but the one name that did stand out. Uh, Sabolsky, C.B. Sabolsky. C.B. Sabolsky, okay, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. It was that fucking dude that pretended to be a Japanese guy for years, <laughs> who's now yeah. head editor of Marvel. And oh I was like, God. oh, man. And I'm looking back, I didn't, obviously, I didn't interact with them, but looking right. back, I was like, man, if I was fucking drunk, like if I was SPX drunk, you know I would have fucked with that guy. Do you- <laughs> Was he like, I'm just picturing this dude um, dressed like fucking Kenny Powers wearing like a kimono. Oh, my God. No, he looked he actually looked exactly like the guys that were running around with those little rollers and the long boxes. Oh, okay. You know, I I would not be able to tell him apart from any of those other guys, to be honest with you. He's just like a guy. Like he's just a white dude that's like in his 40s and fat and has no neck and just like waddles more than walks. And, you know. I'm sorry if this is – I know I'm getting into body shaming, but also fuck that guy. Um, yeah, if I was fucking drunk, man, I would have loved to have just walked up to him and be like, oh my god, you're you're Akira Yoshida. I love your work. <laughs> I, it, is, it is an honor. It is a great honor to finally meet you, Mr. Yoshida. I mean Yoshida-san. Sorry. <laughs> I uh, – your work – made me appreciate and understand Japanese culture way more. I learned so much after reading your books and really just about Asian culture in general. So I just want to thank you personally for that. Uh, I just would have loved to have seen him just sweat and just like, you know, like fucking tug on his collar. But, you know, but also I think in retrospect too, that I, it would probably be best not to do that because then my friends that work for, for them would probably catch some heat because I know that I know that dude would have fucking threw a fit if I did that if if I made a, a fucking grown man uncomfortable for two minutes of his fucking time well and at the Marvel party I think exactly. if you just walked up to dude at his table and did that whatever but because like technically you know you have to know somebody to be where you're at yeah exactly he probably would have sniffed that. it out and some fucking cop yeah. snitch would have been like oh it was so and so's friend and you know and then, then I don't want to fucking have to deal with that shit he would have typed your name into uh, Instagram and saw your mutual followers and went on a witch hunt on social media. So, yeah, you know, yeah. they would have gotten so, to the bottom of it. So it's probably better that I wasn't fucking drunk <laughs> at this show and at this uh, after party type of deal thing. Give him a um, doomsday device in oh the bar. Oh my God. Jump off the bar, hit him with the clothesline. No, I would have just like walked up to him and like pulled my eyes back and just did like some fake Japanese accent <laughs> to him. <damn> it. 
I would have been a real dickhead. Oh my god. And um, yeah, I fucked that fucking guy. Fuck that yeah, company for yeah, even because they actively lied about it. Right. Yeah, they tried they to cover knew, it up. Right. Right. They yeah. fucking knew he was not Japanese, and they knew that he was using that just to fucking uh, to, to be an editor and, and also, also write all the book. Right. Yeah. And I mean, That's like, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna fucking do that, like, I feel you if you're an editor and you want to write, but don't fucking, you know, pretend like you're a Japanese writer. Just fucking be John <laughs> Smith. You're a fucking white dude. Like, <laughs> As a company, don't hire, actively hire a white dude pretending to be Japanese that you know isn't Japanese and have right. him do all the books that take place in Japan. That is insane. <laughs> that is oh, like, fuck. that is the fucking babblings of a crazy person. And I understand that was before the Disney merger. So, like, Disney, you know, after the fact is probably going to be like, oh, well, you know, we weren't around when that shit happened. But, like, that is why. And I also think, too, even if they did catch wind of this, because they probably, somebody had to have, Mm -hmm. even if they did, and even if they got called out about it, I fucking Marvel Comics, like, in terms of, like, the grand scheme of the Disney empire, Marvel Comics is so low tier in terms of their priority, they wouldn't give a shit about it. You know, like all those articles and exposés about it and nothing ha- came out of it. Right, it's, right, it's, right. It's like, it's nothing. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, I Disney's, mean. Disney's busy making a cool $20 billion on their next Avengers movie. You think they're going to give a shit about some like fucking no neck having loser pretending to be Japanese and got a head editor job? No, of course not. <laughs> no, nah, bigger fish to fry. Yeah, absolutely. So, but anyway, that was my C2E2 experience. <laughs> oh, um, I will say another positive thing. Um, I got to meet uh, Xander, Xander Cannon. I didn't know oh, what he oh, looked like. Oh, uh, Kaiju Max? Yeah, Is that yeah. the book? Yeah, yeah, yes. cool stuff. Really liked that book. And so, yeah. it was kind of unexpected for him to... He knew Matt, of course. Matt fucking knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to, to his credit also, Matt's a very talented artist. Uh, he's a hard worker, but also he's like a genuinely nice guy. Also, shout yeah. out to Matt. Thanks for having me table with you. That was really cool. That was a fun time. Um, he knew he knew Matt. He walked up and somebody mentioned his name, you know, conversation. And then Matt introduced me to him. And I was like, oh, you, you're you the guy that does Kaiju Max. I fucking love that book. I don't act. I mean, I don't read a whole lot of books. And that was one of the books that I read. And yeah, that was a cool book. Yeah, it was like really cool. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. He was a really nice dude. We did a little sketch trade. I did him a little uh, Gamera sketch. And then he did me a, a much better <laughs> Gamera drawing um, that <laughs> He clearly put more time and thought into, so I kind of felt bad. But um, yeah, shout out to him. That was that was really cool of him. So yeah, it's, I think it's those, those little interactions and like getting to hang out with your close buddies and friends and catching up. I mean, that kind of makes it. And as much shit as I talk about comic conventions in general and how much money I tend to not make, <laughs> uh, it is those little things that make it worth it. Or at least a little, it, it makes the the big pill easier to swallow, I guess. Yeah, definitely keeps you going and motivated to keep going to these shows for sure. Yeah. So, but, and and I also kind of rationalize that, you know, we'll do these small press shows and the zine fest and that's where I'd make mm-hmm. most of my money. And yeah, that's, that's your bread and butter. Cause that's your audience. Oh, that's willing to take yeah. a risk on that stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so yeah. What about, what about you? Ed? Anything new with you? Uh, no, just, you know, getting ready for, uh, Chicago zine fest, LA zine fest and cake. It's going to be a pretty busy May. Those events are all back to back. So I'm going to be not home a lot. But, um, you know, I'm just working on getting this book done. I've got nine pages left and then it's completely done. And those pages are in different, you know, forms. You know, for the most part, it's done. Um, so, yeah, it's shaping up to be pretty 
pretty good. Not that the work's pretty good, but like my progress on it is pretty good. I'll let people decide if it's good or not. But uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you all um, at those shows and everything like that and hanging out and getting our own con experience. Uh, I'm going to make you go to Jollibee, though. Have you eaten there? Well, you're vegetarian right, I'll part, eat, right? I eat fish every once in a while, but I, even okay. then, there's not a whole lot I can eat. Trust me, yeah. this is a conversation I've had with um, uh, some people, including uh, Rich Mike of Virtual Pros and Border Boss. Yeah. There's uh yeah, uh Al from Virtual Pros is uh also Filipino like me and Jollibee is a Filipino fast food chain that's made its way over to America. And usually I hit it up in California, I found out there's one in Chicago, so I've gotta hit it while I'm there. Yeah. So definitely yeah. looking forward to that too. But um Yeah, you gotta you gotta do the thing that all uh, these Filipino dudes do. And it's gotta make some bootleg uh, Jollibee merch. Oh yeah, man, I gotta get on that. Gotta get on that. But um, no, I mean, just kind of working and getting that stuff ready. Are you pretty much like done and stocked up for the upcoming shows? Like, or do you still have a lot of stuff to do? Like as far as having product and books and everything, like, are you already ready to go? I would like to do a couple of things before uh, Zine Fest, because mm-hmm. I would like to have some new things for Zine Fest outside of the... Uh, the ash can that I debuted. Oh, also, yeah, I debuted the comic me and Aubrey did, uh, Barbarian. And uh, that one actually did, I sold probably, I don't know, like just shy of 40 uh, copies of the thing. And, and uh, that's okay, I guess. And I'd like to have something else besides that, though, for Zine Fest and especially for uh, Cake. So I would say in the meantime, I, I do have some stuff I want to get done, um, some zines and some comics. We'll We'll see how how much of that actually does get done because I still have to catch up on some freelance work too and right. uh, a couple of things here and there. Uh, we'll see. The I got a fucking grind, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a fucking pain and it doesn't help with the day job thing too. I will say yeah. I, if things go as planned, I will likely have a new Rizo book done by, uh, by cake, I'd imagine. Hopefully. I'm, it's, it's, uh, I'd say 20% chance of it getting done but it's a thing that uh, i've been working on with a buddy of mine eric he has the uh, risograph publisher called uh really easy press based out of seattle um so that's something we've been working on and kind of trying to get done it's been a minute uh because we're still trying to finish the script and then after that it's going to be a matter of us doing the artwork going back and forth with that so hopefully i'll have that ready um, and also I, I do want to sit down and uh, do some outlines for two stories that I've had kind of shaking around in the back of my brain for the last seven, mm-hmm. eight months. Uh, so yeah, I want to, I want to thumbnail them out at least before you forget them. Yeah. Well, I just want to jot down the, the key ideas and, and, you know, yeah, sketch yeah. out some like key visuals that I have before they like fall out of my brain. Right. So, yep. Yeah. But I do have, I, I want to kind of go back. I, I think 2020, I really want to refocus and do more stuff that I'm writing and, and drawing again. I miss doing that. So, and also, uh, you know, we got to get the Momo fucks, fuck you stuff done oh yeah that's coming too yeah uh i think blake's the only one who's completely done with his story but of course uh, blake's done that dude's a fucking workhorse he's a machine dude he's such a fucking machine yeah and it's always like just across the board really good so i don't understand Mm -hmm. how he does that yeah it consistent you know yeah super consistent yep 
incredible uh, stuff. Are you are you even done with yours? With my book? No, I, well, I mean, for your thing for a moment, fuck you. Oh, oh, no, no. It's like thumbnailed okay. out and written, but it, beyond okay. that, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. all. Right. I, I know have... that's like a, that's a weekend's worth of work for me. Oh, wow. You know? Okay. Oof. Damn. All right. Well, because like my thing's only going to be like four or five pages. So okay. um, as long as I can like lay down the pencils like throughout the week after work, inking and coloring, I can get that done in a weekend. Yeah. Of like right. two solid yeah. eight hour days. That's me like, you know, chaining myself to the desk. But sure. I've, you know, I, I got to streamline my process play. or something then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like, I'm not in a pleasant mood the whole time I'm doing it. And I wish that I'm not, I'm not, you know, in that position, but usually I just dick off too long to where I have to be in that position. So, you know, all right. Well, you saw the one page I've done so far. So hey, it was good. <laughs> that's too. all I have. That's all I yeah. fucking have. It was really uh, good. Thanks, Different uh, kind of style for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to change it up. I mean, Matt actually brought this up in it while we were tabling just like, so you have like six or seven different styles that you seem to do. And I'm just like, yeah, it's kind of schizophrenic. It's <laughs> I, 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 I'd like to think that I have more control over it, but it, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm, it just depends on what it, what it is I'm working on at any given time. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm no Jim rug. That's for fucking sure. That dude is like a chameleon. <laughs> that dude has, yeah. Infinite styles there. Infinite. And they yeah, all look amazing. Yeah. Like gallery worthy on those ballpoint. God drawings that he does it's crazy um Man. dude i like that uh i saw that you posted on instagram that uh at the end of c2e2 you took uh katrina and aaron uh to the breakfast spot down the street from your house that we always hit before we leave i like oh, that yeah. you guys went there uh, what's that yeah. place called oh uh don's don's, don's uh, yeah. yeah yeah great diner and, really uh, good they were super impressed by it too so that was yeah that was good yeah, <laughs> I love that place. People, that, it's only like two or three guys that work there, I, and and they're always like really, really chill. It's, yeah, super awesome. Every time I've eaten the food there, I've always gotten the breakfast, never gotten a burger. Yeah. But um, you we know, will, solid stuff. we will for sure hit that spot up when you guys come oh, yeah. through for, for Z, uh, CZF. Yeah, so, we do. It seems like we do every time. So yeah, uh, you know, looking forward to it. So. Uh, yeah, anything else? Anything we're good here? No, uh, you know, I think that uh, we can go ahead and get to part one of our interview with Katrina. So, uh, for anybody that has ever read a comic, you've more than likely been at a comic shop. So, stay tuned. After the break, we're going to have some insight into the retail side of things. You know, normally we just bitch and moan about making it. Now we're going to interview and talk to somebody who sells it. We'll be right back. There's a new hero in town, a whirlwind of action that's positively... Spookhead! Yes, dare to wear the mask! From zero to hero, the mask is one lean green crime-fighting machine. He's a hard-hitting superhero! As he battles the evil mask-stealing Dorian. He's a quick-draw dude with maskitude! Eye-poppin' crime-stoppin' or just killin' time! Even Milo's puttin' a bite on crime! Dare to wear the mask! Somebody stop me! Figures each sold separately. Now, back to our program. A little bit about our past experiences and memories uh, of comic shops and... Uh, you know, anybody that reads comics or has read comics at least had experiences at shops that they, they like talking about and stuff like that. Normally in a positive light, you know, 
and we always talk about sort of the, the state of comics and where it's going as a business and its overall health and well-being and what that means for creators, artists, writers, what have you. And, you know, we can only talk so much to a point until we really need to have some more insight about the subject with, you know, graphs and charts and all that shit. Just looking at actual data, right? So it's great that we have someone here on the today's episode and they are a friend of mine from from Florida, Katrina. Hi. Katrina, go you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, um my name is Katrina Petroskevich. You don't have to worry about that part. I um manage a comic shop. I have worked there for like five and a half years, I've been a manager for like three and a half. Um yeah, and so I spend a lot of time thinking about comics. I'm also married to someone who makes comics. <laughs> Yes. So it's like uh, friend of the show. Yeah, Aaron Cole. Can't get away from do. him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we I honestly I think we talk about Aaron at least once every other episode. <laughs> yeah, cuz it always and comes up like uh, cuz uh, JB's always like bringing up um, you know, how he got his start and who influenced him. So, we do talk about him pretty regularly on the show. Not a bad way. But <laughs> um always in a yeah. bad way. <laughs> so don't worry. But um You know who I hate in comics? Aaron. <laughs> No, but, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. Uh, we're going to kind of just talk about, you know, what it's like on the opposite end. You know, JB and I are always on here talking about what it's like to make them and grinding it out, trying to sell them. But we're going to get some insight um, and hopefully learn some things because JB and I just say some things without actually knowing if it's true or not about the retail <laughs> side of things. So, Well, to be fair, we, we, we do know some stuff about the sales and stuff, but not to the depth of knowledge that Katrina will from first experience. Right, well, definitely. Hopefully. Time will tell. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Katrina, how long have you uh, been a fan of, of comics just in general and a reader? Um, maybe like 10 or so years before that I'd like read a comic here. They're like casually more like graphic novels or whatever. Um, yeah. when I was a kid, I like came across a copy of this like terrible nineties issue. What if the Hulk killed Wolverine? And I had like <laughs> one of those like chromium, like embossed covers. And I was like obsessed with it, but I had no like connection to like how to get into comics as a kid. So like, I didn't, I like was left at that basically until like, you know, high school when I read like ghost world or whatever. Cause I was like an angry girl, but, um, probably like 10 years or so ago, I started like reading them a little more seriously. Was Ghost World kind of what, like, introduced you to the alternative comic scene? Uh, I'm trying to think. It was for sure way up there. Uh, I don't know if it was maybe the very first, but it's the first I can remember, at least, where I was like, whoa, these girls, I, like, get it. Yeah, definitely. And this it was like... middle-aged white dude who draws them, he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just watched the movie uh, two days ago. Um, oh, I haven't cool. read it in a while, but yeah, they did pretty good with that. But, um, I think the movie's like a really good translation of the book. I like it. Yeah, definitely. So do you, at your shop, do you stock a lot of alternative stuff or is it mainly like stuff from the big two? Um, so both, I would say we try. So my, the store that I manage, um, I work for a company actually that's a chain of eight stores. Um, and I manage one of the smaller stores that has like been in like most of the other locations are in, like, big cities um, mm -hmm. in Florida, and my store is, like, I mean, Lakeland's not, like, the smallest place in the world, but um, it's not quite a big city, and so um, our shop, like, we've spent 
the guy who managed it before me, who's also like a friend of ours, he, um, it's a small, small, yeah, town like, in that way. <laughs> you know, over the course of like 15 years or whatever that the shop's been open in that town, like, like my store currently runs on a staff of two people. It's me and one other guy. So like we like spend a lot of time getting to know our customers and also like we like a lot of like indie comics. So we spent a lot of time like cultivating that in our store. Um, I mean, like, obviously the comics I sell the most of are like Batman and Spider-Man, but, um, I still like, I sell a fair number of like damn class books or whatever, like the love and rockets book I carry on the shelf, the one that's coming out currently. So, um, we try to just keep it pretty evenly spread out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned before, and I don't know if it was on the one that got deleted or, or lost in the one that we ended up saving, but, um, I had mentioned how really the the Lakeland location is kind of spoiled in a lot of ways. Oh, totally. Because, right, because like before you, it was, it was, it was uh, E.T., Ed, and uh, between you and E.T., and also like, you know, Aaron and Jake, another friend of ours who worked at the shop, um, you all have like very specific tastes that go beyond sort of the general kind of readership of, of any comic shop in a, in a, you know, a small Florida town, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And also I would say like the, well, the four of us specifically, you know, and some other people who've like worked there briefly here and there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I feel like we all have like influenced each other's interests and tastes a lot. So like right. when I, as the person who manages the shop now, like when I submit my diamond order every month and I like put in Aaron and Edward's previous orders i always like look up what they i was like oh let me check that out see what that's about like i think we <laughs> yeah, all kind yeah. of like especially and then i'm if even if that's something i don't get then i like might you know x y or z customer be like hey how about this thing i know about now um so yeah. it's pretty it's nice to have that well you mentioned how oh, it was like sure. a corporation yeah. too so with it being a corporation like you know you mentioned stocking like alternative titles and i guess if the comics that we make here you know they're definitely going to be like that indie type book do you have to like go up a chain of command and say hey i kind of want to order this title from you know fanographics just for an example well so as 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 long as it's something like so everything i can get through diamond which is like all fanographics all drawn in quarterly all like you know ad houses and fanographics all that stuff like is still um like big enough to be in diamond Mm -hmm. so we usually don't have to fight for it too hard unless it's something like really really bizarre and i'm like ordering five copies like the owner is gonna be like excuse me what but um (laughs) and also like i mean like jb was saying like for a long time like my location that i run like we have been like ordering and selling a lot more indie comics than some of our other like even much bigger locations and so I have to fight for it probably a little less than I maybe would have otherwise. Like, cool. we have the history right. to say, yeah. like, I can sell five of the new Dan Klaus book when it comes out. I don't know why I keep bringing him up. That's embarrassing. But, um, yeah. Like, I mean, I do it too. It's yeah. fine. He's <laughs> like a cornerstone of alternative <laughs> yeah, yeah, comics, yeah. you know, so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Knows. Yeah, he's the, right. he's the gateway yeah. drug. He's the gateway yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, you go to Barnes & Noble and find Dan Klaus still. That's how much impact he's had just in general. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, luckily I have that, like, you know, years and years of like sales history to kind of back us up when we want to get a little weird yeah for sure it's, i i wish like it's hard for us to talk about like sales numbers like nationwide um because you know you kind of scale it down to like one specific location as part of a chain in a specific state 
Right. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sure those numbers shift from state to state or oh, even just store from city to, to store city. too. Yeah. Like there, raw, yeah, there yeah, are other stores yeah. like in my same chain. Like I managed a different one of our, I managed our Tampa store for a year and a half and it was oh, a man. completely <laughs> different world. It was a completely <laughs> different world. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. cool. I'm getting my own store. I know what I'm doing now. I'm going to take care of business. And I was like, what? I did not know what to do in that store at all. Cause it's just like not. It like stores, yeah, stores get like such personalities, especially based around like the people who run them for however long, you know. Um, Right, right. And that's the type of customers that they attract. Totally, totally. Well, because it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship, you know, like. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. I find that so fascinating because like it it is kind of the case with like other sort of mass media that we, we consume, right? Like back in the day, like VHS shops, rental stores, they all had their own individual culture, Mm -hmm. right? And so like. You know, some would be very, very specific in catering to like, uh, uh, I don't know, like European horror yeah. and like uh, others would be kind of more into like uh, general schlock. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's that that kind of stuff I find very general fascinating. schlock. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think my store like rides the line in between like cool stuff and general schlock like right somewhere in the middle <laughs> well you've got to have it <laughs> i mean you know? i love general yeah, schlock. yeah no it's schlock. for sure yeah, i mean yeah. it pays the bills for sure and the, you know a lot of it's like not even that bad like some of it's pretty fun but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I go to the yeah, shop yeah. every wednesday and i still try to pick things up off the wall just because like i i almost feel like i owe it to the industry because I'm in it. I'm like, I feel like maybe it's a weird way to pay it forward. And also just because I guess like I'm a lifer when it comes to having that experience of checking things out on a weekly basis, you know, it's just been yeah. a part of my life for so long that I may not Can be I reading ask, as much. Um, yeah. Is there superhero stuff that you're like every, even if this book really starts to suck, I have to get every issue of it. Like, is there yeah, I was actually texting about that. Yeah, I was texting about that like earlier with a friend. Um, yeah, they were talking about how like they read Deadpool no matter how bad it gets. But with me, it's just Ooh. like Batman, and I'll buy like fucking Batgirl. I'll buy Nightwing. Like it doesn't even matter who's writing Ooh, it. The whole Bat family. I just do the original, like uh, the original. I, I like Dick and I like Barbara. And yeah, Bruce, yeah. you know, so the kind of isolate. And yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, I don't know care that. about his punk ass little kid. Like, he's cool to have around sometimes and I don't mind him stepping in and out. But I'm not going to buy a book just about, you know, Robin, the kid. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just you know. talking with someone about how like Dick Grayson is way cooler than Damian Wayne. And it yeah, for sucks sure. that oh, Damian Wayne exists. Yeah. <laughs> like Dick Grayson is like his cool like adopted son just gets like shafted and pushed off to the side what a bummer (laughs) right and yeah it's like so i you know no matter what i just buy it and i think that's just because i love batman you know that was like the first like superhero i latched onto as a kid so uh i definitely you know keep up with that so it's not that i have to have like every issue like if i missed one and it wasn't like critical to the story i'd be like ah whatever but you know i do pick it up still yeah that's cool was there any or were there any like superhero books that you um found yourself kind of being drawn to or was that just something you bypassed initially me yeah. uh like in general like my whole life i yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i i mean so i there hasn't been well okay <laughs> sorry i had to pick the place to start with all that um <laughs> sorry yeah, so the superhero very, book very that <laughs> i like have read beginning to end and loved every second of um the only one that is like that is invincible like i don't know if either of you guys have read invincible yeah, it was a Kirkman book, yeah, on Image. So, Invincible, like, not to get, like, too overdramatic and cheesy, but, like, Invincible, like, changed my entire concept of, like, what superhero comics could ha- could be or what they had to be or whatever. Um, it yeah. was, like, 
really fun and really well written, but also like incredibly serious. Like things had actual consequences, and I Invincible was, mm-hmm. was so great. But um, yeah, I read the first like three big books of that. It was pretty fun. Like it did yeah, an interesting I, spin on it. Yeah, it's so and like the characters were you like really got to know them, you know, throughout the course of the book. It was it and you know they weren't like beholden to eighty years of whatever like continuity that they had to like stick to all these rules and you know mm-hmm. whatever. So it was it was really yeah. fun. I liked that book a lot. But um yeah. as far as like regular superhero stuff, um the first ones that I was like reading regular, well honestly like first and last, it's been it's been a while since I've like stuck to like a regular superhero book and been like consistently interested in it. Um mm-hmm. but I loved like Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man yeah, was that's like some good stuff. so great, so great. Like that's another like book where I felt like I like knew that kid. It was like mm-hmm. so fun to read about him, you know, figuring out like who he was as like a spider dude, and uh, it was so great. I loved it. And uh, like around that same time was also when G Willow Wilson started writing Miss Marvel, and I was loving that. So there was just like a little oh, yeah, chunk yeah. of time where there were like a few really great ones that I was into. But um, yeah, there's nothing where like the character specifically or team specifically has like kept me committed to it for a long period of time, really. But you were never, like, attached to it as a kid growing up. No, yeah. Like I said, so when I was probably, like, yeah. maybe 10 or so, I, f- I found that, like, What If the Hulk Killed Wolverine book, and I probably read that, like, 114 right. times. Um, but then, like, I never, you know, like, my parents, I couldn't even tell you if there <gasps> was right. a comic yeah. shop where I grew up. That's like, right. Yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah. And, like, I didn't have any friends that read comics, so I just, like, didn't do anything with it till I got a good bit older. You know, now I think about it, Dylan might have sort of a similar kind of uh situation with his experience with comics too he might not have really latched on to stuff until kind of later yeah yeah from my conversations with him i know he read um like asterix or is it asterix the viking comic because he lived in europe when he was a kid and he said he remembered reading that um but besides that i know that he was more like i know that he just recently started like doing deep dives into him but yeah um huh yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. No. <laughs> like how that would might even play into side, kind of like how you consume media. Anyway, um, so yeah, Katrina, uh, going back to, you know, what you were picking up and what Cam was picking up, like how, how are sales is sort of in the industry as a whole based on what you're seeing, you know, every week, month, year uh, so far? Um, like what, are there any sort of trends that you've noticed uh, in sort of like the kind of overall well-being of the industry in in terms of like what's moving and what isn't um well so this is this is where the conversation gets really interesting is that so like the comp the industry in general is like kind of in a downswing right now um mm-hmm. yeah. it's not like yeah a free fall or anything but it's not like for the first uh you know like maybe you know 2012 to 2016 or whatever it was like growth 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 like comics were doing really okay. well for those chunks of years and the last mm-hmm. couple of years have been the first years where it was like nope we're actually gonna lose some this year we're gonna lose some okay. more this next year um mm. and it's you know, like publishers are kind of scrambling to figure out, and when I say publishers, I mean Cough Marvel, Cough DC, are like trying to yeah. figure out basically what they can do um, to, you know, level out and, you know, start doing better again. Um, but like, unfortunately, it's like the choices they're making are a lot of like predatory, like <laughs> printing practices. Yeah. Like, 
you know, the uh-huh. things that like literally historically have like com- destroyed the comics industry before in the past. Or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's try that yeah. again. This time it'll work. I promise. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's it's it's kind of this really bizarre point in um, like in history for the industry right now, where like mm-hmm. c- like publishers are basically having to decide like um, are we going to make cash grabs and like continue to have hundreds of comic shops close like every year, uh, yeah. and then basically turn into like uh, you know exclusively their like Marvel app or whatever it's called, where you can like read their comics online. Um, or are we going to like change the way we do things and work like in conjunction with comic shops who are the ones who are actually like have their feet on the ground and are like talking to people about what excites them and like seeing what sells well in their store like are we going to have like an actual symbiotic relationship with them where we do things that are good for them and then in turn obviously they do things that are good for us by buying our stupid comics Mm -hmm. um yeah but it's uh it's all like still kind of like up in the air you know as to what what will happen with that like what will they decide to stick to um yeah because the variant thing is like like really and truly out of control like it sounds like such a ridiculous thing to pick as you know like your complaint about the comic industry but like when i do my order every month and it says like so for example this war war of the realms uh event is about to happen with marvel and um mm-hmm. i've have had to start ordering for it and it's you know like war, there's so there's a main mini series war of the realms but then there's you know like 14 tie-ins or something of like course. that yeah and each one has like you know no fewer than 10 variants and the variants are like order 200 percent of what you did of tony stark 9 and you'll be allowed to order this variant so it's like impossible to order and you know you get every guy who walks those through the door is like oh do you have that variant so i feel like pressured to have them but it's like at the same time it's like rewarding marvel for like being shady and like manipulative um yeah. isn't it so- like they'll do like copies like because my understanding and correct me if i'm wrong with that whole variant thing because they'll be on the wall for like 50 bucks and i think the reason why they're priced so high is because you have to order like 500 copies of a book to get one of them is that right how yeah, that yeah. Works? so the only the only okay. time we price up books is if it's like um, and it's generally, generally it's based on how rare. So like the one in 25 is going to be about 25 bucks. Um, cause we have to order 25 regular covers to be able to get that one. Right. And, uh, you know, on and on with what, however many numbers I think for like what, for that, uh, Dark Knight Master Race or something, they did like a one in 10,000 variant or something like that in some store. Wow. And I was like, now you're just sitting on 10,000 copies of that book. Yeah. That's going to be know. the sidewalk so, sale. Yeah, so that kind of stuff is just like, uh, it's, yeah, like, I mean, I said it was like manipulative before. That's like the best word for it. It's, you know, it kind of puts us between a rock and a hard place. Like, are they allowing those copies to be returnable? No, that's the thing. More often than not, they're not. Because I've been um, seeing, like, I'll read, like, comic news sites, and, like, I'll see, like, some titles will be like, oh, Marvel's making them returnable. Like, are they doing more of that? So that way shops are taking well, more of a gamble on books, or you so, see any upside to that? It's not that... It, I think returnability is, like, a big answer to that problem. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's not, honestly, so much Marvel that I feel like is doing it very often. Um... DC does it a good bit. Honestly, you know, I'm sure people have complaints with DC and their, um, the way they publish and, you know, market their stuff to shops and stuff. But I, as far as what they could be doing, I have very little complaints about DC. They, for big books, they'll do returnability, you know, every once in a while. Um, they, 
have one variant for every book unless it's like you know the first issue of like a big Batman miniseries or whatever they might do a couple other ones but like Wonder Woman has the regular cover and a variant every month like rain or shine like no matter what and so it makes it a lot easier to order and also it like makes it a lot easier for my customers to say like well Mm -hmm. I always want the variant so that I can like subscribe them to the variant whereas like for Marvel every every Marvel customer I have that wants variants I literally have to like hand write a note and put it in their box for when we do polls because there's no way to add it because it's not the same item every month and Mm. so it just makes it a lot more convoluted and then Marvel's always doing the restart. I mean, DC's pretty good. I mean, I know they've done restarts with Rebirth after the New 52, but at least that went, like, years. Like, I feel like yeah. Marvel reboots, like, every 18 months. So how do you explain that to a customer? It's like, yeah, this is number one, but, you know, well, technically, I, I, you know. Yeah, I try very hard to convince, like, you know, when it's, you know, a new person, like, who is new to comics coming into mm-hmm. my shop, I... And it's not the easiest sell, but I, like, try very hard to convince them that, like, the way to get into comics is to, like, literally just pick up an issue and start reading. Um, And if you love that storyline and you want to know what happens before that issue, then, like, by all means, go back and read it. But, like, if you try to get to the beginning, like, you know, people come in and be like, I want to read the first thing Wolverine was ever in. And I'm like, all right, dude, like, you're in for, like, a world of hurt because this is going to take forever and cost you a billion dollars. You know, just, like, pick up a new thing and read it. And it's, you know, like, that's some, I feel like that keeps people out of comic shops, too. You know, the idea that you have to start from the beginning and it's this big thing that's been going on for 80 years or whatever and it's too Mm -hmm. late to jump in but you know and big reboots you know are helpful to that like also you know when dc reboots they do um this has just become like a love letter to dc which is funny to me i don't really care i love dc over marvel if i had to pay uh, (laughs) but uh you know um but they uh you know when they yeah when they have rebooted they it's the whole line there's an event that leads up to it there's a reason why it happens Mm -hmm. um and it's across the board and then you know they stick with it and um but um marvel almost almost never does that they never, will just yeah. re restart a title here and there whenever they feel like it like moon girl uh, and devil dinosaur is on like issue 40 or something right now and that's like outstanding to me like issue 40 like that's insane <laughs> that that's like really high you know um, yeah it's like they usually make it about 14 and then it's like oh here's something here's uh marvel now Oh, yeah. here's Marvel Rebirth or whatever the and, fuck. So yeah, I think they think it's like a jumping on point for new readers. Like I was saying, people can think it's a lot to start without it being a number one. Um, mm-hmm. But more often than not, it tends to be a jumping. Like people stop reading when it's a new right. number one. Like I like the last creative team. Like even though I've been getting this book, like I'm sick of this. Like I'm not gonna yeah. get it. Like that <laughs> happens a lot. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a hard sell to convince people to stick with a book when it's like the third number one in a year. Well, and, you know, kind of going back to D.C. and you said changes, I, D.C. just cut a lot of books, right? Didn't they cut like half of their production line or something crazy like that? So uh, I'm going to prove how like sometimes lousy I am at my job by like I so I had heard that I haven't read. I don't think it's quite that many. Mm-hmm. I know um, I know Green Arrow just ended, which kind of bumps me out, even though like no one was reading that book. But I love Green Arrow. Um, but yeah, I think they canceled a few other things. Uh but they're like also like in the middle of this whole like black label thing that's kind of like a, turned into a mess for them, and so I, I honestly don't know like are the those books continuing? Like, are they still on Diamond? The black label stuff? Yeah, so there's stuff like in the newest previews, like that's okay, under okay. black label. Like they just solicited a Superman Year One uh, that of uh, I forget who's. 
Oh, Frank Miller's doing that, it. I think. Yeah, Frank Miller's writing it, and then uh, yeah. John Romita Jr. is drawing it. Oh, man, that's and, probably um, going to be awesome. But that's, like, Black Label. Yeah, yeah. But um, that was, like, just solicited. So I guess they're sticking with it, but they... Okay. Uh, I, I think, feel like they didn't figure out <laughs> Did, what they wanted Black Label to be before they started doing it. Did you have <laughs> any uh, customers come in really angry? Like, any moms come in returning the Batman Damned issue with no. Batman's penis in it? I no? am convinced that no mom anywhere did that. Because, like... <laughs> well, that was the narrative like, going around, is that, I like, know, this was a family-friendly book and there was a dick in it. But it was not marketed as a family-friendly book. Like, I would not have sold it to a kid. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, and I didn't even read it. Like, I am not that big of a Batman fan. Like, I didn't read mm -hmm. it. So I didn't even know that it was there until I, like, read it on, like, Bleeding Cool or whatever. <laughs> but, um, oh, man. Yeah, like, I... Like, both Jake and I, who are, are, we are who currently works at my shop, like, we would not have sold that book to, like, a kid. And I can't imagine that there were a lot of shops that would have. Like, I don't yeah, know like, who I think would have been cheesed about that. Like, like, the argument was, like, my kid can just walk in here and grab a Batman story and there's a dick in it. This is unacceptable. Like, that was yeah, kind of, well, like... Yeah, well, guess what? If your kid like, is just walking into my shop and grabbing comics, I'm also going to be like, hey, man, you can't just grab comics. Like, <laughs> that's not how comic shops work. I don't know. Do you uh, kick people out for reading in the store? I don't kick them out. I very nicely say, like, oh, you know, people, like, collect these for, you know, the shape that they're in. And when you read them, it kind of... I, you know, have this whole long rambly thing that yeah. people get sick of listening to me say. So they just, like, start walking away while I'm in the middle of saying it. You just took this from a 9.8 uh, to an 8.2. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, like, if I'm feeling really cool, then I'll just, like, walk up and stare at you and be like, are you finding everything okay? <laughs> and you're just, like, standing there reading a comic. And, of course, they're like, ugh get really uncomfortable all right that about does it for this episode we want to go ahead and thank again katrina for the interview the second half will be in the next episode uh, if you want to write us send us an email at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at gutterboyspod and also feel free to follow me and cam on twitter and instagram we're on both as cam del rosario and mort crimp jr all right later